Welcome to Trifecta Now, Living a Course in Miracles. This is the 12th topic in the lessons episodes, Perception versus Knowledge. Perception is a human viewpoint of what the world is to a specific person. What we perceive and what is knowledge are entirely different. Perception is of this world. It is what and how we see it. Perception is also very much an individual experience. The saying, perception is everything, is very true and very false. In this world, it is in fact everything we see. But in eternity, nothing of what we see here is true. Perception is of this world and because of this, it is temporary. It is impossible to think in terms of light and darkness or everything and nothing as joint possibilities. For any individual in this world, they are either all true or all false. No one of this world has ever not experienced some light and some thing. No one can then deny truth totally, even if he thinks he can. We have all experienced or will experience what we truly are. Knowledge is not of this world. We equate knowledge with truth. (laughs) Truth is not of this world. We believe mistakenly that we can find truth and knowledge here. We can find our truth and knowledge of what here really is, but otherwise it is only what we collectively perceive it to be. The book has consistently stated that we live in eternity and time is but an element of this world. We can grasp and embrace what we truly are in this world, but it would require that we do not believe that this world is real. It would require that we let go of all the human and man-made perceptions and perspectives and consider what we truly are. The book talks about perception and knowledge in chapter three of the original text. Um, and that chapter is called the innocent perception. It's, it starts on page 36. I'm going to go in my book anyways, I'm going to go to page 38, which is miracles as true perception. Paragraph two says innocence is not a partial attribute. It is not real until it is total. Sentence five says, innocent or true perception means that you never misperceive and always see truly. More simply, it means that you have ne- that you never see what does not exist and always see what does. Paragraph three says, when you lack confidence in what someone will do, you are attesting to your belief that he is not in his right mind. This is hardly a miracle-based frame of reference. It is also, it, sorry, it also has the disastrous effect of denying the power of the miracle. The miracle perceives everything as it is. If nothing but the truth exists, right-minded seeing cannot see anything but perfection. I've said that only what God creates or what you create with the same will has any real existence. Paragraph four, sentence two, the mind can miscreate only when it believes it is not free. An imprisoned mind is not free because it is possessed or held back by itself. It is therefore limited and the will is not free to assert itself. To be one is to be one is to be of one mind or will. When the will of the sonship and the father are one, their perfect accord is heaven. Paragraph five says nothing can prevail against a son of God who commands, who commends his spirit into the hands of his father. By doing this, the mind awakens from its sleep and remembers its creator. All sense of separation disappears. 
The Son of God is part of the Holy Trinity, but the Trinity in itself is one. There is no confusion within its levels because they are of one mind and one will. The single purpose, this single purpose creates perfect integration and establishes the peace of God. Yet this vision can be perceived only by the truly innocent. Because their hearts are pur- pure, the innocent defend true perception instead of defending themselves against it. Understanding the lesson of the atonement, they are without the wish to attack and therefore they see truly. Paragraph six says the way to connect distortions to, oh, sorry, the way to connect distortions is to withdraw your faith in them and invest it only in what is true. You cannot make untrue untruth true. If you are willing to accept what is true in everything you perceive, you will let it be true for you. Truth overcomes all error and those who live in error and emptiness can never find lasting solace. If you perceive truly, you are canceling out misperceptions in yourself and in others simultaneously. The next part I'd like to go to is on the next page, which is page 40 in my book, and it is perception versus knowledge. Paragraph one, sentence three, says to know is to be certain. Uncertainty means that you do not know. Knowledge is power because it is certain and certainty is strength. Perception is temporary As an attribute of the belief in space and time, it is subject to to either fear or love. Misperceptions produce fear and true perceptions foster love, but neither brings certainty because all perception varies. That is why it's not knowledge. Paragraph two says, all your difficulties stem from the fact that you do not recognize yourself, your brother, or God. To recognize means to know again, implying that you knew before. You can see in many ways because perception involves interpretation, and this means that it is not whole or consistent. Sentence six says, questioning illusion is the first step in undoing them. The miracle or the right answer corrects them. Since perceptions change, their dependence on time is obvious. How you perceive at any given time determines what you do, and actions must occur in time. Knowledge is timeless because certainty is not questionable. You know when you have ceased, you know when you have ceased to ask questions. Paragraph five. The Bible tells you to know yourself or to be certain. Certainty is always of God. This is on page 41. When you love someone, you have perceived him as he is. And this makes it possible for you to know him. Sentence six says, certainty does not require action. When you say you are acting on the basis basis of knowledge, you are really confusing knowledge with perception. Sentence 10 in that same paragraph says, knowledge is the result of revelation and induces only thought. Even in its most spiritualized form, perception involves the body. Knowledge comes from the altar within and is timeless because it is certain. To perceive the truth is not the same as to know it. And paragraph uh, six, sentence six says, perception can and must be stabilized, but knowledge is stable. 
fear God and keep his commandments becomes know God and accept his certainty. The ego is our block to knowledge and truth. Our egos want our egos want us to perceive this world as we see it. Our ego depends entirely on what we see. It has convinced us that our vision is our truth. But what do we really see? Do we see love, joy, and peace? Do we see our soul's journey? Do we see our purpose here? These things are what we are made of and what we are capable of. Knowledge is not open to interpretation. In the Manual for Teachers, in the section called Clarification of Terms, there is a section called True Perception Knowledge on page 85. Let me just get to that. It's at the very back of my text version anyways. Paragraph one says, the world you see is an illusion of a world. God did not create it for what he creates must be eternal as himself. Yet there is nothing in the world you see that will endure forever. Some things will last in time a while, longer than others, but the time will come then when all things visible will have an end. Paragraph two says, the body's eyes are therefore not the means by which the real world can be seen, for the illusions that they look upon must lead to more illusions of reality. And so they do. For everything they see not only will not last, but lends itself to thoughts of sin and guilt. While everything that God created is forever without sin and therefore is forever without guilt. Paragraph 3 says, Knowledge is not the remedy for false perception, since, being another level, they can never meet. The one correction possible for false perception must be true perception. It will not endure, but for the time it lasts, it comes to heal. For true perception is a remedy with many names. True perception is called forgiveness, salvation, atonement. True perception is all in one. They are the one beginning with the end sorry, with the end to lead to oneness far beyond themselves. True perception is the means by which the world is saved from sin, for sin does not exist. And it is this that true perception sees. On the next page, page 86, paragraph 6, says this is the shift that true perception brings. What was projected, projected out is seen within, and their forgiveness lets it disappear. For there the altar to the sun is set, and there his father is remembered. Here are all illusions brought to truth and laid upon the altar. What is seen outside must lie beyond forgiveness, for it seems to be forever sinful. Where is hope while sin is still seen as outside? What remedy can guilt expect? But seen within your mind, guilt and forgiveness for an instant lie together, side by side, upon one altar. There at last are sickness and its single remedy joined in one healing brightness. God has come to claim his own. Forgiveness is complete. And then paragraph 7 says, And now God's knowledge 
changeless, certain, pure, and wholly understandable, enters its kingdom. Gone is perception, false and true alike. Gone is forgiveness, for its task is done. And gone are bodies in the blazing light upon the altar to the Son of God. God knows it is his own, as it is his. And here they join, for here the face of Christ has shone away time's final instant, and now in the last perception of the world without a purpose and without a cause. For where God's memory has come at last, there is no journey, no belief in sin, no walls, no bodies, and the grim appeal of guilt and death is there snuffed out forever. The message has been consistent and specific. We are not of this world. We have only perception of what this world is to us. We can gain true perception, which in turn would be the closest we would get to knowledge of our true existence. But first, we'd have to forgive everyone and let go of the heavy burdens of guilt and worry. So tomorrow... Start your day with a declaration of what you want it to look like. Pay attention to your thoughts. They are under your control. If, you strug if you're struggling, ask for help. The Holy Spirit is your healer, comforter, and guide. Continue following, uh, sorry, continue finding the holy instant. Each day you find it, you will live longer in it. This will help to focus your mind on what you are seeing right now in the now. Help control your thoughts and keep them focused on what is happening right now. As you continue to evaluate your attachments and special relationships, ask yourself, again, what is it for? What is its purpose in your life's journey? Every human being is on their own journey. It's our faith in believing this and accepting it as our truth that shifts our perception and releases us from attachment. Forgiveness starts by letting go of the past. Whatever the theme is, is ask yourself one question in relation to it. What is it for? If you can't find an answer, then it must not be as important as you imagined it to be. Why are you trying to relive or review your past? It's over. Let it go. Fear does not exist. It is only real to you. You created it and you can undo it. Love is the opposite of fear. The Course suggests that the only correction for fear is love. It asks that you do not look for the root of the fear or try to evaluate why it exists. Just let it go. Judgment is a choice. You can choose simply not to do it. There is no good or bad judgment. Both have equal inequities and drawbacks. The answer is not to judge, but rather accept things as they are. Not good, not bad, just what it is. Death is also a choice. Believe in its finality and you believe that you are disposable. Believe it's an ending and you believe you have no purpose. Believe in its illusion and you'll always be afraid and feel misery. Choose life eternal and choose to embrace a path of love and joy. Choose life eternal and choose to never accept that anything is final. Peace, well that starts with you. Find the peace that lies within and you will extend it to everyone you meet. When you have peace, you seek no attack, and anyone who attempts to attack you will find no enemy. Peace is weighted in forgiveness, as most things are. Let go, and you will find peace there. Accepting what you perceive 
as not real and only what this world offers is the first step to true perception. With true perception is the burdens of life lifted. With true perception are you closest to the knowledge of what and who you really are. Next week, I'm going to talk about awakening and what it means to awaken. Well, now, as I look at this, I only have two topics left in this series, and I'm not entirely sure what to do next. I'd like to put it out there to my listeners. Is there anything else I could do to help you understand what you are reading? If you have any questions or any suggestions for me, please email me at trifecta now three. So the word trifecta now altogether, those two words altogether with the number three at gmail.com. And I'm open to any suggestions. So until next week, remember, this is our journey. Let's keep finding our way. Have a safe and healthy week. Sending everyone lots of light. Love always. Denise.